The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. Superb. We have a fantabulous, fabulous show for you today. We are covering... Uh, our new Patreon, um, what that's going to look like, what you're going to get from us, uh, and then we're going to be continuing with Death Mass. Superb. So, uh, I just had coffee. It's a Saturday morning. We're not recording in the middle of the week. You're going to get the full, full fat Paranet experience today. The... (laughs) Paranet as it is meant to be, baby. Um, so, um, Rob, we're starting a Patreon. Yeah, well, we we made the um, announcement last episode. We teased you all with some delicious bits of uh, social media pleasure. Um, God, that sounds weird worded like that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I was just going to say that, like, we, we, we like flashed a bit of patreon under boob yeah it was definitely that kind of style wasn't it yeah <laughs> the names of the um tears but no other information <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so um i guess we, we've already talked about why we're doing this um both of us have pretty busy lives um and uh Putting up a, a podcast just does cost a little bit, um, and we want to basically um, we want to keep going with this. We're seeing that we're getting more and more fans uh, involved. There's loads of ideas that we keep having that we want to commit more time to, but it's hard to commit time to something where it's not making any money, uh, and um, we need to invest in more stuff so that Rob isn't recording on a potato anymore. Um, and <laughs> uh, we need to make this this better for you guys because we're we're getting up there now. We're getting quite a lot of people listening, and um, that's that's awesome and fantastic, and it's great to engage with the fans. Um, but we we want to make something better for you guys. Um, so this uh is really a way of doing that. Uh, where we can kind of measure uh kind of your engagement with us uh we can work out how much time to kind of give over to paranet podcast and doing kind of ancillary content around it for you guys um so yeah the kind of that's that's the thoughts behind it uh we're gonna give this a go and um we're gonna start putting out extra content and see uh, how you guys respond to it um we're going to listen to feedback from you guys if you you're happy with the tears then fantastic if you want us to change things around and stuff we'll listen to you um and yeah we're gonna we're gonna build this uh into something hopefully that that you guys love and that we love to to create and share with you all um so yeah uh how do you want to how do you want to go through this rob do you want to just go through each of the tears yeah, go for each tier and kind of list what we're doing for each. Um, and, and like you say, I guess nothing's really fine. I mean, it's as final as it's going to be for the moment, but, but depending on feedback, etc., etc., 
it might change. We might adjust things slightly so there's more in each one or less if that's how you want to do things. I don't know. Um, and we'll also add that the, the cost of them as well is also not a definite thing. We might also be changing that down the line as well, depending on, again, feedback and what people want, I suppose. So Yeah, um, we've tried to keep it, we've, we've kept it as low as we possibly can um, because... Look, we're not um, we're not superstar uh, like social media influencers or or what have you, but we wanna we wanna do something that's good for our fan base. Um, so we want you guys to uh, invest in us and to and to help build us up, but we don't want you to be giving over all, all your time and money uh, money to us because we're just some dudes on the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's another. Uh... Yeah, scandals and stuff going around. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> the, 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 weird, the weird thing was, I was going to mention how, like, I need more cats. Then I thought that's a bit weird. And I somehow diverted that into a weirder subject. So. Yeah, um, I'm going to promise right now that there will never be any scandals around myself or Rob. No. Ever. Nope. Um, not then, not ever again. We are we are the most vanilla people. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good description of us. <laughs> um, okay, superb. Right, tears. Let's get into the proper stuff. Um, Rob, do you want to take it away with the first one? Yeah. Um, I can't remember why, but on the Patreon at the moment, uh, it won't let us list that. You're having a Discord server as a uh, thing at the moment. I think we need to set it up first and link it to that. But again, that that's something we'll sort out probably a bit closer to launch date. But I mean, uh, the Discord server, so we can all kind of you know, get feedback from you on there, discuss things on there, post shit like memes, you name it, fan videos, share content, blah, blah, blah. That's something that will be across I... all tiers. I definitely want to set up at least one Discord chat for just pictures of dogs. Yeah, um, I mean, my my thinking with this is we've got, like, a chat for just general kind of, like, shooting the shit, um, and then, like, spoiler chat, non-spoiler chat on each book. Um, dog pictures, memes, Dresden memes, cat pictures, because I have a lot of cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something we'll we develop, like, very soon. We're gonna. Um, we're also gonna be posting after after today. Um, we'll we'll talk about the bonus episodes in, in a minute. But um, part of the bonus episodes is Dresden Files RPG stuff. Um, and with that, I'm gonna be building kind of a a Paranet um, a RPG world, and um, I want to create a Discord server for a uh, Discord chat for that where you guys can post, like, um, what your characters would be in that world, um, any ideas that you have for, like, uh, cool, like, mystic-based stories in the world and stuff. And then I, I'll start using some of those for um, kind of inspiration stuff around the wider, uh, the wider world. So um, it might be a fun way to kind of all of us create this world together for, for Rob and others to play in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, going into the tiers themselves, the 
the first tier that we named was McAnally's regular, which, I mean, it, it, do I mention the price? Because I guess it's going to be different where you are. Yeah, I mean, give it give it in poundage, and then yeah, I, mean, I think uh, that's going to... In a UK currency over here, it's uh, £1.50 per month, which is, you know, half the price of a cup of coffee, depending on where you go. Um, and the benefit we have there is early access to episodes. So the idea is that the regular kind of schedule we've been trying to maintain lately is getting the episodes up on a Wednesday. So I imagine mm-hmm. early access will try and have those up for you earliest, like two days before, if not the day before. Um, I mean, that one's going to be a bit, not touch and go, but we're going to see what works. I mean, we might have to change our schedule up anyway, depending on personal lives, etc. We are are trying to get a more rigid recording schedule in um, around doing it on on weekends. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed the last couple of weeks when we've been doing uh, weekday recordings. um, The the reason we've been doing that is because we've been spending more time building up the the Patreon and stuff. but uh, with a more rigid schedule, then we're able to offer stuff like early access to episodes. And the reason that we're able to create a more rigid schedule is, again, because of the Patreon. We can give more time to this, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as, as we mentioned a few minutes ago as well, this will include access to the Discord server as well. So you can tell us on there if you like it or not. Um, <laughs> depending on the feedback, we'll, we'll obviously take that on board and adjust things as and when. Um, the second tier is appropriately named Warden of the White Council, which is a pound more than the previous one, so £2.50 per month. Again, depending on where you go for a cup of coffee, it's still cheaper than a cup of coffee, just about. Um, and you get the same stuff as tier one, so like early access to episodes, but we're also including a bonus episode, which is a minimum of one a month, depending on timings and schedules and personal lives etc we might be able to push out more content uh, that would certainly be the goal because you know more content the better who doesn't want more right um i think definitely as we develop as we as we get more wardens of the white council hmm. um then then we'll be able to allocate more time to yeah. to doing more bonus episodes definitely and the idea with the bonus episodes is uh, kind of a, it can range from anything. It can be like a, just a free-form chat of us just talking the shit. Um, it it can be Dresden related. It could be not Dresden related. Uh, talking about other books, other book series that you guys you know, want us to talk about. Um, it could be anything. We could talk about the Snyder Cut, which I would love to talk about. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the possibilities are endless. Peep Show as well. We'll talk about Peep Show. Where you want us to, or not. yeah. Um, um, well, th- but this is the thing: is that um, I think um, we've we've had a couple of times recently um, where we've kind of we go off on on our on our big tangents, and uh, and don't worry, we will still be having those tangents <laughs> in the regular episodes, I'm sure. But um, this gives us a place to 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 really make an outlet for that. So. Um, it will be, uh, yeah, a wider discussion of things around the geek culture kind of background that informs Dresden Files, I think is probably the best way to, to kind of connect it all up. 
yeah. Um, and yeah, the the final tier is member of the Paranet, which is four pound a month. Woo! Which again, depending on where you go for your coffee, is a little bit more expensive than coffee. But I mean, if you're getting coffee and a sandwich or something like that, then we're we're still beating that price. So uh, <laughs> something to keep in mind. Um, and with that, you get all, all the previous content, like the bonus episodes, early access to episodes, and something that I mean, Pat's briefly mentioned it. I think we've mentioned it in the past anyway. Um, we've been toying with the idea of running a Dresden Files uh, RPG series, which is something that we've been talking about. I think even since we first started recording this uh, show, so it will be very exciting if we're able to do that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, 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 it's not so much a. Uh, uh, we are doing it. It's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I'm really committed to this. Um, so uh, we have already asked our wider group of um, role players that we play with um, if they if they fancy joining. Um, so the campaign. Uh, it's essentially going to be uh, Rob uh, is going to be our kind of central Dresden-like character. Um, we're going to discuss what that character will be and stuff uh, through kind of bonus episodes and stuff uh, in the next couple of weeks. So that's really cool. Uh, and then we're going to have the same way that Dresden has his background cast of Murphy, Michael, Thomas, um mouse um all all the kind of people that, that help him out molly um um we're gonna have a rotating cast of um two different role players uh every couple of episodes uh basically for each case that rob's character works on he'll be working with two different role players um so one time it might be like a, a a police um it might be a police officer that has like a dagger like a, a dagger that was used to um to stab like saint peter or something like that and has like that holy background we might have then like um a vampiric bar uh barman and that might be the first group and then uh the next group we might have uh, a martial arts master and a werewolf and then uh the third one might be the werewolf and the police officer with the dagger that stabbed saint peter and we're gonna have that kind of uh dresden files feel of like all these people are going to be existing in the world and they're going to be doing their own things when they're off camera uh we're going to be following rob but there's always going to be a couple of people to help him out um so I think that's that's going to be really really fun. I'm really excited about that. Um, the, the Dresden Files RPG, the way that it's built up normally is that you pick a specific city um, and you learn about like the history of the, your city. I, I'm going to talk about this at some point. Uh, why I think that's absolutely amazing and such a cool idea because it's really great for like um, when the first time that me and Rob played it, we uh, set it in Manchester and I learned so much about the history of like the paranormal side of Manchester. Um, we might be doing something different. Um, we're going to talk about uh, ideas for kind of how that, that structure could work. Um, 
I'm thinking at the moment it might be that Rob's character is travelling around Britain uh, a bit more. Um, and he's kind of living out of his car uh, or something like that, which could be quite fun. Um, but we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, so... Let's see how that goes. There's one additional uh, perk, I guess, to yeah. that tier, which is... Uh, you guys get a vote on the bonus episode content, so yes. yeah, a bit, bit more control for that, so it's, it, instead of us just kind of rambling on about this and that in you know, the way that we do, it, it gives you guys a bit of an option to kind of, if you want to hear us talk about more, you know, other, other kind of urban fantasy series like Rivers of London, for example, or anything else, that can be a thing. If you want us to talk about, you know, if you want us to talk about our personal lives a bit more, God knows why you want that, then that's an option too. I mean, I think, I personally think our, our stories from third year of university would be worth telling. So if that's something you guys wanted, you can vote for us to talk about that. The possibilities are, I don't want to say endless, but there's a lot more range and possibilities in where we can take this. So having you guys having a bit of a say as well gives you... A bit more, God, dare I say it, control. Also, if you are sick as hell of us talking about Peep Show, for instance, uh, then you guys can get on there and vote against that by promoting something else. Um, So that's another way of looking at it. If you want to steer us away from something, and I am sure that if we are... If we're regularly getting that you guys don't want us to talk about X subject, we probably will start petering that one out and building up other ones. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have lots of different directions. And, and this is the thing is that at the moment it feels it feels pretty one way. Like we're just putting out what we think that you guys uh, enjoy. Um which is cool, um, and and obviously it is resonating with a lot of you. Um, but we want to kind of open it up two way and make it that you guys get to tell us and give us feedback so that we build this together and make it this awesome paranet that works for everyone, really. Yeah, and like we said at the start of this, it's it's something that you know not, nothing is completely definite. We're always open to change. Um, so yeah, give give us feedback, criticism once it launches, and if you think it's, we can adjust costs, we can adjust the perks and all that kind of stuff as we go, or when we have more kind of material, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Exactly. I think we're probably going to run it like this for the next kind of couple of months, um, and then we'll see how it kind of evolves. Um, Rob, do you have our uh, our start date when we're going to be launching all this? Um, yeah, the start date I initially had penned down was Friday the sixteenth, but yeah. I also realised that um, we're possibly going to be very hungover that day because of someone's birthday. So <laughs> I don't know if we want to push that either to the weekend or the actual anniversary of the show, which I think is actually the fourteenth. Well, I I think the sixteenth's perfect. Um, yeah. We'll uh, we may be we may be hungover, but you guys aren't going to have to listen to us when we launch this. Uh, so um, that is uh, as we as we are recording this, 
that is uh, upcoming Friday. Um, we're going to be putting out this episode uh, this coming Wednesday. Uh, so uh, this will be in two days that we will be launching our Patreon. Um, and yeah, just uh, please let us know what you think about it. Um, we would absolutely love to see you guys join. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it's just going to be it's going to be awesome. We're going to build this discord and, and me and Rob are going to be on there all the time chatting. I'm sure that our other um, players, when we get like the, the RPG side going, will want to jump in. Um, we may even be able to rope in uh, our partners uh, and and get them uh, chatting with people. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be great, and we just want to see you there. Oh yeah. So I think that's enough plugging. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that. I guess for, for the rest of the info, you'll have to wait until the day. So, yeah, yeah and um, apologies in advance. We are probably going to be chatting this up for the next couple of weeks. Um, just bear with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about how it's going and stuff. And um, if if you're not interested in it, then you'll just be able to skip by it. But if you are, then um, yeah, we're going to be giving you regular updates on how it's going and, and what we're planning to do next and when and all that sort of good stuff. Cool. Okay. Uh, so, moving into... Uh, oh, by the way, that was taking up our power networking slot uh, today. Um, so, uh, we are now just going to be moving on to the meat and potatoes of our Sunday roast of an episode, uh, which is... Death Mass. <laughs> so this is the Dresden Files book club, mine and Rob's attempt to uh, stagger through uh, every piece of Dresden Files media, including comic books, uh, TV shows, uh, board games, card games, phone games, uh, games the size of your head. No, uh, the the um, and the main novels uh, to kind of uh, go through, give our thoughts, give criticism, uh, also make those connections that people often miss. Uh, Jim Butcher is a master of weaving together these little tiny threads that all come together and pay off books later. Um, a very kind of, uh, I guess, like MCU sort of vibe, uh, if you want to go down that sort of route, um, or like like the Stephen King verse kind of route. Um, Jim Butcher is also really good at that sort of thing. So we wanna we wanna go through and look for those sort of little threads and pull them out for you, so you can see uh, the masterpiece uh, kind of come together. Um, we also talk about just stuff that interests us, stuff that. Uh, refers to kind of geek culture that we love. We tend to pull in our own kind of references and stuff. And yeah, that's that's basically the uh, that's the the segment. Uh, so uh, every time uh, when we're going through our novels, uh, I cover the previous four chapters. Uh, Rob covers the next four chapters, uh, and then we do a little bit of discussion. Um, so last time on Death Mass. 
uh, Harry was handcuffed on um, a boat in the Chicago Marina uh, when he saw a great denarian making its way down the stairs with metallic Medusa-like hair. Uh, the denarian jumps in, kills uh, one of the church mice, Francesca. However, with some quick thinking from Anna, um, Harry manages to trick the Denarian into taking a fake of the Shroud of Turin. The Denarian leaves and Anna hits Harry across the head, takes the, sh the actual Shroud and runs, but unlocks Harry's handcuffs so he doesn't die when the Denarian comes back in a rage. That takes us to chapter 14. Short little chapter, chapter 13. Chapter 14. Harry contacts Father Vincent, who is displeased that Harry failed to get the shroud. Harry checks a notepad he swiped from the boat quickly and finds a meeting set up at the Marriott. Butters then calls and tells Harry that the germs of every virus ever uh, that was covering the body of Gaston, no one dies like Gaston, have vanished. Harry explains that it's because they were magic and sunrise has dispelled them. Susan then turns up and explains that she's not with Martin. Harry has this little, like, teenage moment where he's like, you've gone off with Martin and you don't love me anymore. And she's like, no, I do love you, but I can't be with you. Um, uh, <laughs> she then uh, offers Harry some help on the case, and Harry agrees and then promptly falls asleep. Uh <laughs> Which that feels like uh, that that definitely feels like something that you do, Rob. It's like um, it is have an in-depth conversation and then just fall asleep in a chair. Uh, <laughs> um, that takes us to chapter fifteen. Harry has weird dreams. Um, the you know this seems to be something that has come up in like every book so far, where like just Jim Butcher just throws in like, oh, Harry's having strange dreams. At some point, um, these ones are pretty disconnected, but we get a kind of theme that like he's nervous about Susan uh, and what she kind of means at the moment, if she's a threat or if she's not um, and that sort of thing. Uh, he then wakes up and decides to visit the carpenter house. Uh, no one is in, so he checks the garden where he runs into a very young teenage Molly. Molly and Harry have a very intense chat, and Molly advises Harry about Susan, asking why he doesn't tie her up during their romantic encounters, because she's obviously violent. Um, Charity uh, arrives with the kids, Harry, and Harry helps her to get them all inside. Michael is off being a knight, but Shiro arrives. Charity and Shiro talk, and Shiro agrees to be Harry's second. There's a lovely little bit where Harry's like, Charity, why didn't you just tell Shiro that I'm a shit and let him drop me in the mud and uh, I would just be dead. And Charity's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to compromise my principles for you, Mr. Dresden. I'm going to do exactly what my husband would do, which is to save your life. Uh, that takes us to chapter 16. Shiro and Harry make plans to meet that evening. Harry heads back to his apartment and bumps into Murphy. Oh my god, where has Murphy been for this entire thing? Uh, <laughs> she's just like, yeah, I've been doing police stuff and I haven't had time for your bullshit. Um, but here's a little bit of help with the case. Murphy explains that she has been taken off the case and tries to ask Harry to stop pursuing it. When he says, nah, 
uh, Murphy give some information uh, while saying that she can't possibly give him any information. Very noir kind of trope of just like, I can't tell you anything. And then under the table, like a note is passed. Um, Susan then calls Harry and tells him that they are going to a ball at the Marriott. Talk about mixed signals. Uh, and she is taking him. Harry is reluctant because the last time they went to a party, Susan got her brain kind of blended and then ended up a vampire. Uh, and Harry uh, got sexually assaulted. So, um, oh, uh, but Harry decides, yeah, uh, <laughs> can't happen every time. Um, and that's where we finish chapter 16. Oh, man. Over to you, Rob. Yeah. Chapter <laughs> 17. Uh, before heading to Max. Sorry. Yeah, Max. Um, Harry stops off by his office, which is an interesting location at this point because it feels like it's referred to every now and then just to kind of, you know, imply that Jim Butcher hasn't forgotten it exists. Because it doesn't feel like he really needs this office at this point to me, but whatever. Mm. Um, he stops by his office and he picks up a tiny thread of the shroud, which is, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty useful shit, and will be useful later down the line as we'll see. Um, and he heads from there to the carpenters, and he heads there to pick up Shiro before heading to McNally's. Um, <laughs> After the whole conversation with Charity earlier, he doesn't get out of the car. He just kind of pulls up and beeps, I guess. He doesn't <laughs> want to go into the carpenter house. And with good reason. Who the fuck would want to? Um, and yeah, Shuri comes out, gets in the car, and they make their way to McAnally's. And there's... It, I really like this scene because there's... It starts off with just both of them in complete silence before they go on to small talk. And it's really interesting. Because you have yeah. Harry on one hand, like he's just like, have you been involved in many duels before? And Shiro's like, oh, I've all like basically all the time, mate. You know, um, mm -hmm. he's been involved in many duels over the years, including like fights with uh, vampires of the Jade Court in Southeast Asia. And this is the first mention of the Jade Court, I believe, because Harry's even. I was like, going to say. At this point, you hear every Dresden Files fan just kind of goes like, <gasps> The yeah, Jade Court? I mean, he, he, that's, it's even how Harry Dresden responds. He's like, The Jade Court? And Shira's like, Oh, yeah, they're very secretive. And that's basically <laughs> all we get on them at the moment. Um, but and Shira pretty much like, ever. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I feel like they might have been mentioned again, but in the same kind of way where it's like, Oh, The Jade Court apparently do this in Asia. And then that's basically it. It's like a throwaway line. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Shiro also suggests that Harry talk to Ortega about you know, not fighting the duel. Like, talking talking your problems out is a better way than slapping each other silly, you know? And I can get behind that. It's what, it's what Captain America would want. <laughs> um, they get to McNally's and they are joined by Kincaid who is representing Ivy or the Archive and Count Ortega and his second who is revealed to be Thomas Rafe a vampire of dun, dun, dun. and yeah as, as, as 
I was gonna, I was gonna like talk to you all as if you didn't know who he was, but we all know he's a vampire of the White Court, and we all know he appeared in the third book. Uh, um, and he's he's one of Dresden's busy mates. Yeah, he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Kincaid and the Seconds discuss the duel, um, and Harry goes and sits at the bar and just kind of orders himself. You know, the traditional Max Brew. Um, Ortega also joins him at the bar a few seats away, and they. I quite like this in, interaction because I feel of all the Red Court vampires we meet, they're all a bit hostile to some sort of degree, whereas Ortega in this conversation comes across as more of a, an understanding villain, I guess. Mm. I don't know how to word it. Um, and. Harry goes, you know, tries his hand at trying to talk him out of the duel and that, you know, he doesn't want to fight and Ortega agrees with him, like, he doesn't want to fight either and while it isn't possible, um, Ortega says that the only alternative to the duel is Harry being turned into a Red Court vampire. This will give him amnesty amongst the Red Court. It wouldn't please the Red Court, but I mean, what the fuck are they going to do, you know? It's a Red Court vampire at this point. Um... Understandably, and in traditional Harry Dresden fashion, Harry tells him where to sh- where to shove that idea. Stick it where the sun don't shine, mate. Chapter eighteen. <clears throat> After Kincaid and Ortega take their leave, um, Thomas warns Harry, and he warns him that Ortega will cheat in their duel. And as you know, as if we didn't know that was going to be a possibility, Harry thanks him, but. On being questioned why he's giving Harry the heads up, Thomas avoids answering this, which, mm. you know, it is quite interesting. And I guess I'll get into that in the like discussion afterwards because I had my own thoughts of this at the time when I first read it. Um, Shiro tells Harry that the weapon of choice is that of Will's, which, if, if I remember right, is actually just kind of a test of their willpower. Which is, yeah, it's like how how bad they want to win, I guess. Yeah, like that kind of thing. I, I I remember at the time thinking like, that's not at all what I expected. Like I expected like pistols at dawn or something like that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the 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 event is set for the following evening at Wrigley Field. Um, Shiro also continues to tell Harry at this point. Don't blame yourself. The war, it, it, it's not your fault. None of it's your fault. The Red Court have been preparing for this war for long before you did what you did. And they are just using you as an excuse to do this, really. Mm-hmm. Which which I, I think, in retrospect at this point, is pretty obvious that they were. They were pretty much baiting him into attacking like recklessly in Book 3, from what I remember. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more on that in a, in a few minutes, I guess. Um, and Shuro also agrees with Thomas about Ortega cheating. Um, that regardless of the outcomes duel, Ortega would see Harry dead, no matter the cost. Um, at this point, a cab arrives and Shuro makes his way back to the Carpenters. And Susan arrives with Martin in the limo. And luckily, she's also bought... A change of clothes for Harry. Chapter 19. They arrive at the gala. Martin. 
Fucking Martin. Martin. <laughs> Prick. Um, they arrive at the they arrive at the gala, and while there, they run into our favourite character, Marcone. And it's quite interesting. I I fucking love this whole scene. I just love these chapters. Um, Marcone doesn't seem to have any real knowledge on the attack on Harry, and Hendrix like pops up, and he's joined by a mystery woman. And this woman's like, oh, is there a problem here? And she introduces herself as Miss Guard. And she is a security consultant from Monarch Securities. And possibly she is behind all of the new wards that Marcone has set around his like premises. Which, you know, was stopping Bob from snooping around. Um, sorry, my dog just approached me. Lost my place in my life. <laughs> um, it's suggested that Marcone is at this event to buy the shroud. Um, and understandably, Harry and Susan don't want that, so they start making tracks, I guess, however you want to work, steps. Start, mm. making, yeah, start making steps to get, retrieve the shroud and detain Anna Valmont, I suppose, before the auction properly begins. Um, and luckily, after a bit of sneaking around through some vents, which is quite funny, really, uh, Harry manages to find Anna and the Shroud. And just before that, he overhears a phone conversation between Anna and Marcone. And it's it's this whole complicated like thing where I think Marcone successfully bought the Shroud, but like for her own safety at this point. Anna has like the shroud in the container with explosives like attached to it, which she'll detonate if like you know he doesn't come alone with the money or that kind of kind of shit. Um, which is completely fair. If my associates were dead, that's probably how I'd do things too. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, Harry, Harry like kind of drops in at this point and <laughs> kind of like. Put, pretends to put a gun to her back, but it's actually like a rubber duck, which is classic. Um, and she she turns around and you know manages to like wriggle out of it, I guess. And she's just like, oh, it's fucking rubber duck. And she pulls out an actual gun and doesn't shoot Harry, but she, she he's like doing the whole thing of like, oh, you wouldn't shoot me. You don't have the guts. Mm. And she like shoots the ground next to him as a kind of warning shot. And at this point, which doesn't know, prove anything, no, it really, really, no, um, <laughs> yeah, and then the chapter closes here as three denarians arrive at the scene, chapter twenty, and this is the fucking explosive part of the chapters. Of the three denarians that are introduced here, I say introduced, that arrive at the scene, we are introduced to Nicodemus, their leader, and the most. Badass fucking villain in the series, I swear to God. Um, and we're introduced to uh, Deirdre, who I I still don't think is mentioned by name at this point, but she's the um, daggers for hair denarian that we met on the boat in the previous episode. Yeah, metal and, Medusa. Yeah, and we're also introduced to a third serpent-like denarian, who again I don't think is referred to by name yet. Mm. If they were, then I completely missed it. But 
it's it's a beautiful scene here as Nicodemus comes in and he's he's doing the whole like monologue villainous banter of well 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 look what we have here and as he's like talking mid sentence Anna just starts shooting him which yeah like has no effect he's covered in his own blood and he's like don't interrupt me again when I'm talking and as soon as he says this she just continues to shoot him until the clip empties <laughs> which is oh it's just perfect it's just oh man um yeah and Nick Nicodemus continues talking regardless at this point and I like this because he just kind of I can't remember the gesture he makes but basically he's shot and when the clip empties he's like doing like the whole like you're you're brushing your like hands on your on this like on your shoulder I guess to kind of signify getting rid of dust um yeah and it's just such a smug thing to do and it's so Nicodemus and he continues like what he was saying which was that he's here to take the shroud <clears throat> and at this point Harry takes the detonator which you know like we say the shroud's kind of laced with explosives um and Harry takes the detonator and threatens to destroy it if they continue and they call him out on the bluff saying that they wouldn't dare detonate the shroud because the shroud's right next to them the blast from it would kill presumably kill him and Anna as well and yeah Nicodemus whips out a like a proper beast of a gun and just points at Anna and you know it, <clears throat> Harry's doing the whole like oh so what shoot her see if I care and Nicodemus oh man I just love him so much is just just calls him out on it and he's like now now I know all about you Mr. Dresden I know that you will jump at any chance you get to defend a lady and Harry's like motherfucker <laughs> 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 and, and I remember when I first read this scene actually because I lost my mind because whenever he's conjuring magic in previous books at this point he's always got his blasting rod he's always got his staff whereas at the moment he doesn't have any of that and it's always implied like oh yeah I, I never use my magic without them because I can't control it well enough and I like mm. that he's just like I know not, not calls out Nicodemus as such but his reaction is just like throwing his like hand towards him and shouting Fuego and this massive like uncontrolled blast of like fire just hits like Nicodemus and I, I don't think it sends him through a wall but I think it slams him like ridiculously hard into a wall and shatters a lot of the wall around it. Um which Yeah, uh, it's it makes me think of like Cyclops from the X Men when he takes his yeah. visor off. Yeah, it's very. I mean, that's the kind of vibe I got as well. It's 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 just a really good demonstration of how wild and more destructive his magic is without you know his tools. Um, yeah. And in the in the kind of commotion this causes, he grabs for Anna and fucking belts it. Um, they manage to catch up to Susan on the way, and she joins the fight and begins to kick the absolute shit out of the serpent-like Denarian. Or maybe it was Deirdre, I can't remember. Out of a denarian. Um, Harry notices a magic aura kind of starting to surround Susan. And it's the snake denarian who... Snake. Serpent-like denarian who gets the drop on her. And all these tattoos start to appear on her body. And... I think... I think as well, like, at this point, Susan just... We get, like, a 
proper display of her vampiric powers powers at this point, where she just picks up, I can't remember if it's like a washing machine or a tumble dryer, and just fucking throws it at the denarian, and like this denarian, he he sees like the tattoos and recognizes it, and you just get that snaky little voice of like, the fellowship is here, and and if you didn't understand me what I said there, it's the fellowship is here, which we don't know anything about at this point in the book. Um, and after a bit more of a tussle, the serpent-like Denarian retreats because it's getting its ass handed to it. Um, at this point, the trio, you know, didn't make a run for it, basically. They they know that the Martins are inbound for the limo. Um, Susan and Anna manage to escape, but as Harry is about to get in the limo, he is grabbed and thrown across, like, the car park, basically. And the shroud is with him, so he still has the shroud... And yeah, it's it's not looking good. And it's the perfect way to end the chapter as he is caught by Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is like stood over him and Harry is wrapped in Nicodemus's shadow. And Nicodemus declares that he only wants to talk to Harry. And again, traditional Harry Dresden style, Harry basically tells him to go fuck himself. And then he is knocked out cold. And that is where we wrap up chapter 20. Damn, man, there is a lot to talk about here, and I, I love this, it feels so, it's such like a cinematic introduction um, to Nicodemus, and kind of the Daenerians as a whole, like, we've had, like, we've had a couple of previews, but this is like, this is what they are, really, um, so yeah, absolutely awesome. Um, we get lots of really cool moments here as well. We get obviously checking back in with Thomas uh, is really nice um, in in its own way. Uh, seeing uh, like the whole Harry and Ortega face off is really fun, um, and yeah, like I think it's it's just it, it's a it's a really cool cool bit of the book um have what do you think rob i mean i i loved it like i remember when I, I, man like when i was first reading this book it was when i was working i can't remember what i was working but i, I was still working a lot of late so i'd get home from work at like half 10 in the evening and because like i know you're just not tired at this point. You're still buzzing from whatever the fuck it is you've been doing all day. And I would just, like, sit down. Kerry would have gone to bed at this point because she's fucking shattered from working normal hours. And I'm just sat downstairs reading. And I'm like, it's, it's always a case of one more chapter. And then yeah. before you know it, you've read, like, half the book. And I remember reading the bit where... Is it chapter 20? or Yeah, chapter 20 where... Harry throws, like, the Fuego spell at Nicodemus, like, without the blasting rod or anything like that. And I remember, like, just sitting up where I was sat, being like, oh my fuck. Because the way it's described, the language used and everything, it's just accurately kind of displays how powerful Harry is, I suppose. And how... I know what you mean. Yeah, like, uh... I'm crap at describing it, but it, it's just... Oh man, it's just so good. It really does feel like 
we get to see his potential here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 cool, man. Uh, so yeah, we've got a couple of bits that we want to go through. Um, so the first one that we picked out, uh, I'm actually going to swap the first two around because I think that puts yeah, them in funny. order. The talking points I didn't really do in any order. I actually forgot about them and then had to kind of put them in by memory. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so the Jade Court. Um, obviously, there's lots and lots of fan theories around the Jade Court. Um, I did a little bit of digging into them. Uh, Jim has talked about them a little more. Um, they are only mentioned in Death Masks. Um, however... Uh, there is some like discussion um, that that Jim has had around them in more recent years. Uh, so um, he's talked about the fact that their members are isolationist um, and that they only uh, make contact with other people through middlemen. Uh, they are not signatories of the Unsealy Accords, but they are treated as if they were because of the way that they they um, are very like respect based so they are respectful of like mortals and stuff uh jim has also con confirmed what they feed upon the jade court feed upon breath oh uh, and they can kill you from a hotel room across the street by stealing your breath away sounds kind of like uh the, how the true knot are kind of um shown in dr sleep the film yeah. Stop sleep by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that's that's interesting. Um, so that's I didn't know that much um, about the the breath thing. Um, I think that's really cool. Um, I I did always wonder because we've got kind of like the red court seem to be kind of uh they've got like a a blood side to them they're trying to they, they've got this like narcotic thing going on we've got the the black court which again are kind of blood but they're more necromantic and then we've got this and we've got the white court which are the kind of sex vampires and it's like okay well what could another vampire race do um but that this sounds this sounds, yeah, this fits nicely and again just shows how well Jim's thought out the world. Um, there isn't that much more talked about on the Jade Court uh, for now, but I still think that uh, Jim is saving them and he's going to throw them in at some point, even if they're just like goons. Yeah, I'm, I mean, in retrospect, I'm surprised that we didn't get them in uh, Battleground. <laughs> yeah. Um it always it always throws me too, man. Um <laughs> I was so I was hoping that you weren't gonna throw it out to me. Uh, <laughs> it's battleground. It's battleground. Yeah, I just had to check uh, it <laughs> Um but yeah, uh really, really cool. Um uh so there, yeah there isn't much more to talk about there so we'll move on to the next point which is ortega's second thomas wraith is this a bit of a betrayal 
I don't think it is because I mean I think it was um established in uh book three Grave Peril that his only reason for attending that uh ball for Bianca was because his father was sending him kind of as humiliation. And it's very much the same here where he states that um I think Harry asks him why you his second and he says, Oh, I didn't want to do it. Like Ortega asked my dad to do it, but my dad's like I don't like you, so I'm sending my disappointment of a son instead to insult you. <laughs> oh man. Thomas just at this point in the series is such like a he's just like the family fuck up. Yep. Um, and and yeah, he just gets wheeled out every time that they need to like diss someone. Uh, they just send Thomas. Um, it's, it's quite an effective way of doing things because, I mean, I think even here, like I know, I know the um in the his previous appearance, it was a bit more of a costume party, so he showed up in like a toga or whatever it was. But I know in this, doesn't he show up in like everyone's kind of dressed a bit more professionally, and he shows up in like a net vest or something, doesn't he? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think I think it is like a it's like a fishnet vest and a and a white jacket. Um yeah. which yeah, that's very Thomas. Um but I mean let let's be clear, if it came down to Ortego and Dresden being out of the duel and it was Thomas versus Shiro there is no world where I believe Thomas beats Shiro. No, not in the slightest. And to be honest, I don't really think if Ortega was taken out and it was Thomas versus Dresden, I don't think Thomas wins that one either. I think it's close, but yeah. Hmm. I like, I don't know. Um, what do you think on that? Do you think do you think Thomas would take him at this I don't point? I think so. It's um, it's hard to tell Thomas because I feel we don't really, I don't know, it, we we don't really see what a white court vampire is made of, I suppose, until I think the next book or the one after, and e- even then, it always feels like they're very much downplayed until like yeah. the last possible moment, um. Whereas at this point, especially if if you if you don't know what Thomas is capable of past this point, you, I don't know. You know that they feed off um, emotions. They feed off emotions, don't they? Yeah, particularly like lust. Yeah. So I mean, it would be. Oh man, it's it's hard to tell because I guess if he fed beforehand, he'd definitely be able to be, you know, put up a good fight. I think ultimately, I, I mean, I can't really remember how his combat skills are. Yeah, I mean, he's quick. Yeah. I mean, he's hella quick and hella strong. Um, but he doesn't have magic, really. Um, we'll have to flip a coin. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to come, it would really come down to if Thomas could get up close to Harry yeah. before Harry can lay down some magic whammy, but at the same time, if it's this, ju- if it's a duel of wills, I don't think Thomas has a, the 
a great willpower at the moment in the series. Mm-hmm. I know long-term fans are going to be like, well, yes, but later he's he's got all the willpower in the world. And it's like, yeah, but right now he is just like a, he's like a rent boy, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're on the subject of Thomas, is this, he mentions, um, there's a throwaway line, and I can't remember who it's in response to, but he says something like, uh, Oh, like they'll they'll have my sisters to deal with if that's the case. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first mention of his sisters? Um, he it very well could have been another throwaway line. Um, but I don't think I think this is I think this is. Yeah. Uh, but I I think I I think there could have been another throwaway line that we might have. Yeah. Uh, in his introduction in book three. No, I, I mean, maybe. I, I, can't, I honestly can't remember at this point. I know he mentioned his uh, father and kind of hints at their relationship, but... yeah, Father! Father! But I know, I know the sisters themselves aren't really introduced until the next book, I think. Speak, priest. Speak, priest. <laughs> <laughs> I've been recently watching the IT crowd um, from the beginning, and oh man, that's a, another. If you're if you're not familiar with like British comedy and stuff, um, uh, when you finish watching Peep Show, jump onto IT crowd. It is incredible. <laughs> uh, and maybe stop off at Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Definitely Dark Place. Dark Place, Dark Place. <laughs> Um, what did you think of uh, Thomas's warning to Harry? Because when when I first read this all those years ago, I I mean obviously not knowing where Thomas was heading, I didn't really take him as a straight up. I know good guy. I guess he was. I I took him more as a yeah. He he definitely has some kind of villainous nature about him because he's too. He's too laid back and also, you know, vampire. So his warning yeah. I kind of took. It was part of Ortega's plan to throw Harry off a bit, I guess. Yeah. Um. It's it's a weird one. Like, I mean, after after book three, where Tom Thomas is just this really interesting character because he's kind of stuck in the middle and can't do much either way. Hmm. So he, it feels that like. He's trying to help Harry because he kind of likes him and thinks he's a, he's a decent chap. Uh, but at the same time, there are so many people trying to manipulate Thomas. So many people trying to manipulate Harry. Um, Thomas is so in deep with all that is evil. Um, like, you can't trust anything from him because even if he was trying to help you, he is he's so easy to manipulate and is so motivated by like Justine and um his own like vampiric addiction that like anyone could just be feeding him anything. So it's like okay, great, you've given me a warning, but I can't put any weight on this. Yeah. Um I think I think he's genuinely trying to help. Yeah, um, I mean it. It's pretty clear now, and I think 
with a short story or two we have coming up very soon. It's definitely that is the case. But I mean, um, yeah, yeah. As as a first time reader, if, like when I originally read it, it was just really hard to kind of gauge whose side he is. I mean, yeah, he's fought with Harry before, but it was kind of a what's the word like an uneasy alliance, I guess, against a common foe. Yeah, I mean, he was full on fighting for his own preservation and yeah. for his own goals. Whereas here, yeah. Whereas at this point here, he doesn't. It feels like he doesn't really have any reason to help, other than, other than I guess they fought with each other before. So that kind of familiarity might have a soft spot for him, but who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's kind of Harry's thought process here as well. Is like, yeah, he might be trying to help, but. He, he just as much could be trying to scream me over. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's not really... It, it's very hard to distinguish which uh, is the case. Um, so, yeah, yeah. moving on. Uh, Harry Nortega's chat, the whole offer to be a Red Court vampire. I mean... It, it's, it's a little bit of Ortega kind of calling Harry's bluff and being like, oh, you, you don't want to fight. Well, there is a way out. Um, yeah. it's I don't know, I mean knowing what we know about Ortega and how high up the chain of command he is I suppose um, mm. I there, there are two ways to take it because I wouldn't have trusted him anyway like even if he was like oh just fucking join us and you'll be fine like the man's still a dickhead you know um, yeah, yeah but on the other hand of things that very well could be the truth because I think it's Shiro who states that um, you know they've been plan the Red Court have been planning the war for years, but they used you as an excuse to actually act on it. So I mean, with that in mind, yeah, it very well could be a genuine offer. It it makes Ortega a little bit more complex because you see that this isn't his. His game plan isn't necessarily the same as the whole of the Red Courts. Yeah. He's obviously working his own angle. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you see Ortega as Pedro Pascal? <laughs> I was meant to say this last week. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I, As soon as I put it together, I just can't see him as anyone else now. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Um, interesting <laughs> fact about Pedro Pascal I didn't know until my birthday last Friday is that he also shares my birthday. Oh, that's cool. As does the well, original Obi-Wan Kenobi. Happy oh. birthday, Pedro. Yeah. Sorry? As does uh, Alec Guinness. The original oh. Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. The OG Obi-Wan. Yeah, and also I think Marvin Gaye was shot by his dad on my birthday, so damn, take take, take that as you will. He didn't hear about that through the grapevine. Nope. <laughs> um, God, that was a terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> I might cut that out, but I probably won't remember to. Um, so, uh. 
let's jump forward a little bit. Uh, after Harry leaves, we have uh, Harry, Susan, and Marco at the gala. I I kind of liked this in that um, it felt it felt very much like if we were in any other situation, I would I would kill you outright. But we're in a gala, so I've got to be nice ish. Yeah. With I mean, Marco, I think, like, he's... I think that's even stated as well, where he's... I can't remember what Harry says to him, but he's like, don't test me here of all places, Dresden. Outside of here, yes, but here, no. Like, something to that effect. Yeah, I, I think that Marcone is just really, like... Um, it's interesting to see a violent predatory man in a situation where he can't be violent and predatory yeah he's trying to portray a very different side of himself i guess um and yeah there's just that like i I don't know it's like it's like meeting someone that you know at work has one reputation when you meet them outside of work with their friends and they're, they're completely different um, you see this like this different face that Marcone wears, which I think is quite fun. Yeah. Um, an interesting um. As well, like when Harry brings up the whole like, your man took a hit on me. He catches Marcone off guard because Marcone doesn't seem to know shit all about it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, is he just a great liar? Or does he actually not know about it? And if he doesn't know about it, why was Hendrix involved? Because Hendrix is like his main dude. Yeah. And yeah. There's, I, yeah. Not, I don't, I'm not sure if I put it on the notes, but also we're introduced at this point to his new security consultant, uh, Guard. Yeah. So that's, a, again, a very interesting character. This very tall, lean uh, do we get that she's blonde? I think we do get that she's blonde. Yeah, I think she's described as like being broad, blonde and tall <laughs> if I remember. Yeah. But, um, um, I wasn't sure about putting this in notes because it feels like at the moment we don't really have enough to discuss with her. But Yeah, it's, it's difficult really. Um, I mean, is there anything you wanted to pull out on that? Um, not really. I mean, it's not confirmed about the wards yet, so I'm trying to remember how I felt when I first read this. And it was probably being more intrigued as to who or what her motivations really were, whether she was related at all to the White Council or you know, Warlocks or anything like that, because having some pretty badass wards in place and hiring yourself as a security consultant is quite a big deal. Yeah. Especially when it's to the most ruthless mafia-related person going. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, I can see... God, I, I can't remember what the... There's a couple of different actresses that I can see play her. Mm. Um, we could go down that route. 
but yes, uh, just going back to your point, um, we yeah, there's definitely like a tease that like she's she's heavy duty. Yeah. Um, I think I think Dresden knows that as well, and it's like, is is Marcone about to be a way bigger problem, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we really get much more on that. Um, I was just going to say that I, I could see Emily Blunt playing her. Yeah, um, I, had, um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was, uh, Lagatha and Vikings. Oh yeah, okay. That, I mean, <laughs> would make a lot of sense, uh, where, where we end up with, with guard. Uh, <laughs> uh Catherine Winnick. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was Lagatha all along. Um, yeah, she she would be a good, um, a good pick, definitely. And she's nice. Uh, I I mean, you could go down. Uh, maybe the most obvious route is uh, the actress that plays Brienne of Tarth. That would also be really good. Uh... Shit, what's it? Gwendolyn Christie? Gwendolyn Christie, yeah, she would be a great pick for for guard. Um But yeah, uh Catherine Winnick would also work really, really well. You could literally just have her come off the set of Vikings. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, that's that's probably why I'm associating it with her. Yeah. Um <laughs> Is she tall? I get the feeling that she's tall. She looks tall. Um, I I honestly couldn't tell you. I did not realise that she was the woman in the Dark Tower, either. I mean, huh. yeah. Less said about that, the better. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, nothing, that's no fault on her. It's just, uh, yeah, we all make bad decisions. Um... She is only she's five six, so she is not tall. No. <laughs> uh, Gwendolyn Christie is tall. Gwendolyn Christie is very tall. She's damn right. Uh, <laughs> I seem to remember hearing something around that they never did a scene with her and Peter Dinklage, um, because it would have been really hard to frame. Interesting. Uh, I've, uh, hmm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I, yeah, but yeah, uh, Gwendolyn Christie's like, uh, let me just get, first thing when you put Gwendolyn Christie's space in is Gwendolyn Christie height, uh, she's six foot three, so she's like my height. Jesus, fair enough. Yeah, she's a tall woman. Um, Sophie Turner's not far behind her though, uh, which is interesting sorry we're going down a whole rabbit hole here of, of yeah. celebrities and heights yeah. um let's let's pull pull back um i guess um like i mean unless you have any more to say on god i think we only have one major point left to discuss which is... <laughs> <laughs> so we uh just for the listeners maybe like a peek behind the screen we we share our notes on a google doc and on google docs you can see what people are like highlighting and stuff. Uh, if anyone else is in the Google Doc at the same time as you, and I just see Rob just highlighting over and over again, Nicodemus. 
in in huge uh, capital letters. <laughs> like, can we talk about him? Please, can we talk about it? Now he's highlighted it in red. Uh, <laughs> that means it's important. <laughs> um, so yeah, Nicodemus Arcleone. I'm not even sure if we get Arcleone yet, if we just get Nicodemus. Um, but man, what an entrance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, such a dude. Um, it's, it's crazy because you, you've had this like moment with Marcone where it's like, okay, this is the not, this is the usual threats that Harry's dealing with the sort of day to day, um, stuff maybe Marcone's packing a little bit more punch than normal but kind of feels like your, your standard um I, I i keep thinking of the bad guy in inspector gadget i'll get you gadget oh, kind of thing and like yeah dr claw is it claw that was it yeah yeah uh feels like that here um with with Marcone, it's like okay yeah he's got some new He's got some new tricks in his bag with guard and stuff, but Dresden will deal with that. And then it's like, yeah, you've got Dr. Claw and then suddenly like Thanos turns up, uh, <laughs> um, blows down the doors um, and is like, I can destroy everything that you've ever known or loved. Um, and whoa. Um, the stakes just jump. So, what do we think of Nicodemus? By far one of my favourite characters, villains, within the series, or ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at this point it's hard. I mean, he, he left an impression even in just the one chapter we get from him. Um, and I think that was based on... Like the Denarians we've seen so far have been tough cookies. So when the big boss comes in, like this early on as well, and I mean, it, it kind of seems appropriate that Dresden had to use like fire magic on him, but like without his tools for it to be more destructive and stuff like that, just because it's that level of villain. Like, yeah. Man. Ugh. I I love as well that you've got all these denarians that are these big, like crazy monsters that are like snake people or like uh, Medusa people and they're like so alien looking. And then it's like, yeah, here's the big boss. And you're like, oh, my God, it, it, it's going to be Godzilla. It's going to be um, it's going to be the thing. It's going to be something so otherworldly and massive and terrifying and then it's just a guy um and he's just like and it's like no that's worse that's worse he's just like us um like make him make him a a scary monster and it's like okay well what's his like supernatural thing it's like oh yeah his shadow like that can blend in and can uh, can come at you from all different directions and then can suddenly become this corporeal thing that wraps around you and suffocates you and kills you. Um, it's so terrifying. 
um, and and this like creeping feeling of are the shadows moving? Are they coming? Uh, is Nicodemus might not even need to be here for the shadows and in the room to suddenly stretch and then turn solid and slit your throat and it's just like ah he is terrifying and i love it um i mean what i get from him is similar to um marcone where like the very presence of them they don't even have to do anything but stand there and talk and you're just like shit this guy's a fucking beast but with nicodemus it's like ramped up to 11 yeah, it, it's interesting because um, there are a lot of comparisons. Like, on the face of it, Marcone and Nicodemus seem very similar. Like, they're both kind of gentlemanly. They both are kind of suited white men. Uh, but it's like... I mean, it's the difference between, like... Uh, 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 the king, uh, like a kingpin, and the devil, like mm. they're, they're they're two different leagues of evil. Like Marcone has limits. We we learn that more and more throughout the series. He has a lot more of a code of honor. He respects a lot of people if they prove that they deserve respect. Nicodemus has nothing like that. He is gentlemanly only because he wishes to be gentlemanly and that's the way he wishes to conduct business um but he is inhumanly savage whereas marcone is still very much human um it's crazy he's wild man nicodemus is wild i'm so excited um we can just keep going around in circles talking about how awesome nicodemus is for for ages but uh we don't get much of of what his actual deal is yet uh we won't get that for a while um we just kind of get that this guy has uh presence this guy is terrifying and all He's king of the monsters, man. Like all of the other Denarians, listen to what he has to say. And what makes it more interesting is when you remember that Denarians are only in town really to recruit Harry. Yeah. Oh man, I'd accept his offer. I wouldn't even care what it was. <laughs> you can offer me a coin. Yeah. And like. The fallen angel that I live with is just there to kind of do his washing up or something or his laundry, and I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> also, with the knowledge that if you don't say yes, he's gonna murder everyone. He's not just gonna murder the people you know. He's not just gonna murder your family. He's gonna murder the entirety of Chicago <laughs> if you don't say yes. <laughs> it's like a blackadder kind of thing of uh, oh. Either you kill yourself or kill everyone in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he'll do if you do, if you say no. Kill everyone in the whole yeah. world. Um, it's crazy, man. So, who would you um like? One final point on Nicodemus. Who, in your head, like plays him? Like, if you had to cast him, um. 
That's a really interesting question. My go-to is kind of um, John Hamm in the way he appeared in Good Omens. Yeah. Where he's just like too perfect. Yeah, I can get to that. I have. Um, I could also see Christian Bale. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, doing a bit of his, like American Psycho kind of thing. Uh, what about you? I have two people in mind, and it's weird because whenever I read it and imagine Nicodemus, like every every appearance he like has, it changes depending on like how the character is. But um, mm. one of them's David Tennant, which I think is kind of inspired by how he was in Jessica Jones. Um, yeah, I can see that. And the other one is Jeremy Irons. Mostly for the voice. Okay, yeah, I get that kind of like mobster kind of feel. Um, you know, I, I'd also enjoy Idris Elba. I mean, yeah. But I, I also I... kind of feel like you, you could just roll Idris out into any role in Dresden Files and I'd be like, yeah, he's the coolest person to, to play this. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would take Idris playing Michael Carpenter in a heartbeat. That could work. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it would be a bit. It would almost typecast him in the kind of Heimdall role. Um. But I don't know. But yeah, I could see him being like being the villain. I think I think Idris does villain very well. Yeah. Um. I really liked him in Star Trek. Was it Into Darkness? Uh, or was yeah, it Beyond? I think. Beyond, yeah. I liked him in that as the villain. Uh, I didn't feel like he got enough kind of build up, but um, I think he could be really fun. Agreed. Yeah. Um, lots and lots of uh, Nicodemus could be played by so many great actors. I think you would need someone with a lot of gravitas. Absolutely. Like, oh, ah. <laughs> you need someone that can really chew the scenery. Um, yeah. I could also see, maybe even now, but certainly go back a couple of years, um, you could have had, like, um, De Niro or Jack Nicholson. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Like, anyone that could have appeared as a crime boss in a Scorsese film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, yes. Uh, So, I think that covers just about everything. Um, Do you want to take us out, Rob? Yeah. Um, As always, thank you for the support. We're two downloads away from 5,000. So, that's pretty badass. and yeah, the Patreon will be live at the end of the week, so check that out as and when. Um, until then, share, follow, subscribe, and next week we'll be discussing chapters 21, 22, 23, and 24 of Death Masks. And we will see you uh, next week. You've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your host, me, Rob Davis and me, Patrick Lunn. 
see you next time, motherfucker. Bye. Bye.